1: Good morning. It is Thursday, February 10th. You are listening to College Football Daily. I'm your host, Lance Glynn. On today's episode, we are jumping back into our Across the Country with the College Football Daily series, and we will be talking some Duke football with Adam Rowe of 24-7 Sports, thedevilsden.com. The David Cutcliffe era in Durham is over after 14 seasons. Former Texas A&M defensive coordinator Mike Elko takes over in hope of bringing some juice to this Duke program. And before we hear from Adam, I want to remind you that if you've missed any episodes of our Across the country series. You can find them all wherever you get your podcast, And you can also go to Spotify, search for the playlist across the country with the College Football Daily, and find every episode we have done so far all in one place. So joining me now to discuss the Blue Devils as they start fresh with Mike Elko is Adam Rowe. Adam, how are we doing? Thanks so much for coming on and giving me some time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Lance. So, Adam, I assume right now students on campus and fans of Duke Athletics as a whole they are focused on basketball season. Obviously, Coach K's final season on the bench. But Mike Elko comes in, he brings a fresh perspective after over a decade with David Cutcliffe and obviously has plans to try and rebuild this football program. What's the overall buzz around Duke football right now? And I'm not asking this in a way to, I guess, demean the program, but look, we all know Duke is a basketball school. There's a lot going on right now with Duke basketball. What's just, I guess, the general level of buzz and the general level really of care within the fan base about this new era for the Blue Devils on the field?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the Duke football fan base is obviously is not the biggest in the in the country by any means in the sport, but the ones that are fans have been through some crazy years of of intense suffering. And what that suffering does is is, is develop like true love for the program. They got a taste of of I mean, I don't want to say greatness, but a solid level of football between 2013 and and, and 2015 when Duke was winning 10, 9, and eight games a year. I mean, that was Totally unheard of. Started going to bowl games, even made it to the ACC Championship Game in 2013. So I think Kuk, what Cuckoo did is, is kind of establish that baseline and showed that Duke can compete in the ACC. What he wasn't able to do is take Duke from good to great. Um, I think part of that was was other programs hiring away his assistant coaches and then not getting the level of investment in the program that he needed to hire, you know, solid or or even improvements on those departments. Archers. And I think despite even some, some pretty good recruiting classes, he just wasn't able to get over the hump. So there was a general you know, feeling in the Duke football fan base that it was time for a change. And I don't think that Duke could have added really a better coach for the guys that they were targeting than Mike Oka. He's a great hire. He's been highly sought after across the country by a number of different ADs. And um, Duke has really shown an investment in the program too, not just with Elko's contract where he's making, you know, more than Cutcliffe is making. Also the assistant coaches, but they've tapped into the um, endowment and actually shown a really strong investment in the recruiting department. Um, they've hired a direct, like a general manager recruiting away from East Carolina, hired a strength and conditioning coach from Miami. Um, they really are building out that support staff that Duke needs to compete in the upper echelons of the ACC.
1: And so obviously, look, expectations to start for Mike Elko will be lower. He has to rebuild this program. But I feel like taking over at a school like Duke is tough because part of rebuilding a program is getting buy-in from the fan base and making them excited about what you're trying to accomplish. And look, coming to Duke now, as I mentioned before, I would think drawing the fan base towards football is obviously quite the challenge. You know, what do you think he can do, though, to not shift focus from basketball to football, because you and I both know that's not going to happen, but to at least spark the interest of those basketball fans and maybe get them to be more more interested and excited in what he's building and the culture that he's obviously trying to bring in.
0: Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the, when Kay leaves, right? When Krzyzewski's gone and Shire's coming in, there's going to be that excitement for him too, but it's not going to be the same feel. I mean, the, the like you said, the benefits of, of taking over a football program like Duke is the, the expectations are going to be low. And that's great because I think I saw David Hale from ESPN post recently that Duke's returning talent is rated like 125th out of like 131 uh, FBS level programs. They, they're seeing a lot of departures from the, from the current team to the transfer portal. They lost a good chunk of their talent off of last year's team. And the, the recruiting class is small coming in this year. So Elko and his, and his uh, assistants are going to hit the transfer portal hard, but developing that cohesion and that, that togetherness and on a, on a developmental program like Duke is, is going to be really tough to do in a single off so, you know, they've got to get creative to get fans in the, in, in the stadium. It's one of the least attended football stadiums, I think, in, in all of Division One. You know, the previous administration did some fun things like give tickets away to all the employees, try to get local fans, local fans in the, in the 277 zip code have a, a deep discount on tickets. But I mean, they just got to get really creative just to get people out there. The fan bases are kind of different, too. I would say the Duke basketball fan base is more national, whereas the Duke football fan base typically consists of like alumni or really diehards. So it's going to take a different marketing effort to reach those people.
1: We'll talk more Duke football with Adam Rowe when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
0: you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage
1: match limited by state law. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. It's only been a short time so far with Mike Elko. He was hired in December, but early on in his tenure, what are some big differences you've noticed between how he runs things and the way David Cutcliffe operated in Durham for over a decade? I mean,
0: there hasn't been too much of a window into the program just yet. I mean, they're still just doing, you know, winter workouts. So spring practice doesn't start until March 18th. So even the coaches really haven't had that much of an opportunity to play with, you know, to, to work with the guys. I, I think... What you've seen again is that investment in the in the recruiting department. They're they're really getting out there and and showing their face in the local high schools for visits. Well, even more so than the previous coaching staff was. They're not afraid to go after you know higher ranked prospects. I see them offering guys that maybe the Duke, previous Duke administration wouldn't have really bothered with, and it's like. Elko's videos so far that the program has posted have been pretty obvious that they're not going to allow guys to coast by during the winter workouts and they're going to hold, hold players accountable to their conditioning and weightlifting. I think one of the things as a developmental program, you've got to really have is a strong strength and conditioning program. And, and do just, I mean, if you saw the guys that they were lining up against on, on game days and in, On the field before the game started, it was like night and day as to the athleticism and size of the guys. So, so dude, you know, David Feely, they brought him on. He's, he's really doing wonders with the, with the, uh, with the players apparently and has like established some baselines in the winter that, that those guys are going to have to improve upon before the season starts. If that makes sense. So that's great. Again, like check back with me after the spring game on April 16th and I'll probably have some more information on that.
1: Who are some names, you know, obviously you mentioned Duke's returning talent is not great and they're not returning much, but who are some names college football fans should watch on this Duke roster that the new coaching staff will obviously rely on to, to make an impact next year. And I know you said they're, they're going to hit the portal and obviously we're still early in the off season, yeah. but are there, is there anyone on the roster right now, whether they're returning, whether they're already on the Duke roster from the portal, whether they recruits that the staff is going to rely on to play a key role next season?
0: Yeah, I mean on offense, i will definitely look for Riley Leonard to take over at QB from Gunnar Holmberg who left after a season. Leonard kind of split reps with Holmberg last year. Uh he's a big guy, 6 uh, like 6-4 I think. He's uh he's got some legs. He can really throw a deep ball. He's just got to get more uh, acclimated to the to the college level. Um and I think he did that last year. And then his his primary is going to be Jalen Calhoun. Just a speedster in the slot. Really fast receiver that can create separation. Uh, Texas A&M did really well with guys like him. On the defensive side of the ball, Dwayne Carter was a captain last year, and and he's going to be really looked at for leadership. He's got a really, you know, outgoing personality then shown himself as a leader in the program despite his youth uh so he's going to be that that guy on the defensive side of the ball that they'll that they'll really turn to especially since i mean they lost a number of guys off last year's team in the secondary that were expected to come back and and provide Experience. Lemmy Young, the safety's gone. Jeremiah Lewis, cornerback, is gone. Jalen Alexander, Nate Thompson, safeties are gone. There's just going to be a lot of turnover on the defensive side of the ball. And I guess it's good that they have Mike Elko there to, to, to kind of coach those guys up.
1: So, Adam, I'll let you go on this one. You know, I mentioned lower expectations earlier, but are there boxes that need to be checked off on the field in year one? You know, do they need to, I don't know, win a conference game? They obviously went winless in ACC play last year. Do they need to, I guess, go at least 500 in the four non-conference games to start the season? You know, obviously there are no expectations or very low expectations for the first season, really kind of in any program, unless you're coming into a a, a real power, a real blue bud type of program. But are there yeah. things that are important for this program to accomplish to really start off on the right foot next season.
0: Yeah, I mean, Duke is one in 17 in their last last 17 ACC conference games. Like any improvement on that, they went 0-8 last year, one and nine the previous season. Like any improvement on that is going to be huge. Um, especially the the non-conference schedule is, is not terribly daunting. It's it's uh, Temple at home at Northwestern, uh North Carolina AT at home, and then Kansas on the road. Like Candace is getting better, but if if Elko's, you know, for real, and this student football program is where they want it to be as a baseline, they really got they've got to win, you know, at least three of those four games, and then add on, you know, two maybe three conference games, then you're looking at a bowl game. It's gonna be an uphill climb. I mean, we we talked about how much they have to replace from last year. And there's just not a lot of returning talent on the on the roster. But can they dip in the portal and, and grab some guys that maybe were playing at power five programs who are who are gonna latch on to the excitement around a new coaching staff and and maybe, you know, join and, and provide that veteran leadership that they don't have returning? If that can happen, I I think the Duke fan base would be ecstatic.
1: You can follow him on Twitter at Adam Rowe, TDD. He covers Duke football, basketball, and recruiting for 24-7 sports, thedevilsden.com. Adam, thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate you giving me some time.
0: Yeah, thanks, Lance. Have a good
1: one. All right. Remember to give us a five-star rating and a review wherever you get your podcast. A fun episode coming up tomorrow as well. You don't want to miss it. For Adam Rowe, I am Lance Glenn. Thanks for listening to another edition of the College Football Daily. Have a good Thursday, everyone.